0: Following program is brought to you in living color on NBC.
1: I'm no longer <laughs> participating in tear jokes. Those are out. I, th- I don't think that's good for morale. <laughs> to refer to someone as tier four and it- you need to Gordon stop. Was the one talking about taking a shovel to Tony and and I what? got single. I, I think I it, was a out. It, was oh, it was a gun. It was a gun, gun yeah. not a shovel. Yeah, it was a gun. He said that he and would he put to to clarify, he said that he would put peanut butter <laughs> on the end of the <laughs> barrel of the revolver and stick it in Tony's mouth yes. so that what he would that? enjoy his last meal. But that's I'm the one who's disgusted with dancing with the stars. Easy. <laughs> that's crazy.
2: Howdy ho, everyone. I am Tony the Engineer, and this is the Ballroom Blitz. Welcome back. And for those of you that are listening for the first time, this is only episode two. Welcome, for sure. Um, What is the Ballroom Blitz? Well, it's Dancing with the Stars talk, along with a lot of ticket radio station talk. And in episode one, we talked about how those two merged. So if you want to know the backstory, you can certainly go back and look at episode one. Um, But to kind of sum it all up, without the ticket radio station, there would be no ballroom blitz. So we're definitely going to talk Dancing with the Stars heavily, but there'll be a lot of ticket talk, too, and hopefully some ticket audio uh, that we'll play a little bit later, too. So... Um my name is Tony the Engineer. I'm an audio engineer behind the scenes at the ticket, so I'm not an on-air personality. So I kind of mentioned this last week. I hope I get better and better in my presentation, but expect some verbal pauses and some miscues and some uh, <laughs> miscommunications, but uh, hopefully we'll keep getting better week to week. And um, if you'd like to get a hold of me, you can certainly email me at uh, dwtsp one At yahoo.com, I'd love to hear from you. Um, If you don't like what I'm doing, you know, certain content or something, or if you do like it, or if you'd like to hear something else, especially if there's Dancing with the Stars fans out there that want to hear some things that I'm not covering. But uh, we're not going to talk about all that background stuff because we got bigger fish to fry right now. Season 30 of Dancing with the Stars started on Monday, September 20th. And, you know, I'm close to the show, obviously, so I kind of... I don't know, the seasons run together and I don't really focus on them, but man, season 30, think about that. That's a long time to be doing this show. And not too many people gave it much of a, you know, a chance of doing anything. And uh, I was coming across the, an article here, not really an article, it was a YouTube video of Tom Bergeron talking with Bob Saget. And Bob asked him a question about you know, the beginning of it all and if he knew what he was getting into. So let's play a little of that and hear what Tom had to say. Now, when that show started, it was another dream gig,
0: correct? It. We didn't know what it was. I mean, Andrea Wong, who was the head of uh, reality TV for the network at the time, people. she told me later that when she was pitching the show, which was an American version of the British hit Strictly Come Dancing, people in the meeting wouldn't even make eye contact with her. They thought it was such a bad, <laughs> a bad idea. And to be honest... Um, i didn't think it was a great idea either and it was my wife and my agent at the time who kind of double teamed me and said no you know dance is very big you should you should at least look give it a shot and it was going to be a six week summer show and i was on break from afv anyway and hollywood squares had, had gone away in 2004 so i figured okay so you know if it, if it's a hit it'll come back every summer i'll have a nice little summer gig but uh, I had no idea that it would be uh, what it became, and they're about to celebrate their 30th season right now. So,
2: Well, there you go. Yeah, even, even the people involved in the beginning had no idea what, what this was going to turn into. And, um, yeah, it's kind of limping along right now. Uh, you know, Tom is obviously out. Uh, season 28 was his last season. If we get a chance, we may play a little more of this interview. And he kind of went into the... Uh, things that were going on when, or why he was let go, he thought anyways. But uh, make no mistake, it's still there, and it's trying to do its best. They're moving in a younger demographic direction. Uh, last season was very good for them in that terms. They The 18 to 49 demographic went up over 10%, and that was amazing last year. I looked at the top 200 network shows, and only two network shows in the top 200 had an increase in that demographic. So they accomplished their purpose at least last year. Now, I'm taping this or recording this a couple days after the Monday night premiere, and the overnight ratings were not good uh, for the premiere episode. The 18 to 49 demographic I believe was down close to 30%. That's pretty scary. And the overall number was very similar too. Now everything's going down. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but the voice was down, I want to say 17%. And so everything's down. Everybody's leaving network television. And it still brought in almost 6 million viewers. And if they could hold that the rest of the season, six million viewers is not bad in this day and age. In fact, they averaged that last year. The scary part is, is the premiere episode's one of your bigger ratings one. And if you're under six million for that show, you're probably going to lose some more throughout the season. So uh, this could be kind of a scary season for them. But but who knows? We just got to go along here. They're right. They're uh, walking a very narrow tightrope here, trying to keep the core a fan of the show, which is older people, mainly women, mainly that live in rural areas, conservative Christian women. Uh, But they're trying to bring in the younger audience too, and I don't see how those two are going to coexist. So uh, we'll see, but I imagine it's going to have to tread this fine line for the next year or two if they want to give it a try next year too. And then they're probably going to have to make the decision one way or the other to stick with that core group, which may be hard now, especially Tom's not coming back, I'm sure. And then, you know, that's another thing I'm kind of curious about. I mean, I still hear it two years later that never watching the show again, you know, now that Tom's gone. And I get the sentiment, believe me, I wish Tom was still there. Uh, He's not coming back, so you kind of got to let that go. And, of course, I guess people's response is, well, I'm not going to watch it anymore. The only thing I would ask them, is he the only reason... You watch the show. You know, uh, I always relate stuff to the ticket. And a couple years ago, our founder, Mike Reiner, left, the guy who founded the station. And I know it was different. He left, and Tom was kind of let go. But I love Mike, and I wish he was back, but he's not coming back. And does that mean I'm going to quit listening to the ticket? No. They've kept everything else very similar. The new guys they brought in were fantastic. Shout out to Jake. Um, But... At Dancing with the Stars, I'm still going to watch it because Tom's the only one that left. They still have the judges, they still have the pros. Yeah, I know that's a big, big leaving thing. Tyra's, you know, front and center, and you get a snoot full of her every week. But I'm just saying, I I don't understand the sentiment that they're just going to quit this show that they supposedly once loved because one guy is gone. And I know it's an important guy, but uh, they're trying. They, They brought back Derek Huff to be a fourth judge, and, you know, he's one of the. More beloved people, other than Tom, I would say, ever on the ticket or on uh, Dancing with the Stars. So we'll have to see how that goes. But no matter, season 30 kicked off Monday night. We're going to talk a little bit about the dances. I'm not going to go into too much detail because there were 15 contestants and that's a lot of dances. And week one, you know, is kind of a feeling out session. Uh, everybody's probably super nervous. Uh, they've all had about three weeks to plan for this dance. And three weeks is a long time. What's really going to be interesting is week two and three, which it is every season, because they're only going to have one week now to prepare, really only six days. So after the dance Monday night, they were supposedly, I think that's how it works, Monday night they're given the song and uh, the type of dance they're doing for next week. And boy, you've got six days to do it pretty much. And this is where it gets pretty tough pretty quickly. And we'll learn a lot more about how people handle this and how they're going to look um, next week and then the week after. But um, the way it started on Monday was Mel C started out dancing. And Mel C is a Spice Girl. And usually the show's been around so long now, I usually think back to like, is anyone comparable to Herbin on the show? So I look and see, well, are there any Spice Girls on the show? And of course, Mel B, was on the show in season five and finished second. And she was fantastic. Many people thought she should have won that season. That is the season Eliel Castroneves won. Uh, We all forget that Sabrina Bryan was in that season also. She was such an early elimination. People forget her. She was probably the best dancer. And if you were listening last week, you heard that she was the top of my most wronged persons in the history of the show. But no matter, Mel B was very good. So I expected big things from Mel C. And she was good. She was very good last night. one of the big problems for her in comparing her to Mel B is Mel B was 32 when she was on the show. Mel C is 47 now, and this show has a way of uh, grinding on you and wearing you down as the season goes on. And 47-year-old person is much tougher than a 32-year-old person for sure. But it was a great dance, you know, for her first night. Um, I hope there's big things for her, and I think there will be. She got 27 last night. Everybody was pretty much given six and sevens last night. Uh, They kind of do that the first week. Unless you're really, really good and there was only one eight given out, they'll give you an eight. And if you're really, really bad, that's when you get down into the five and four categories, and unfortunately one of our contestants got some threes. So Mel B, thumbs up for her dance. Up next was uh, The Miz, the WWE wrestler, and uh, Whitney is his partner. The Miz has an incredible personality. Boy, it's it's full force in your face. Um, I think he may have to tone that back a little bit because a little bit of that goes a long way. For a five-minute bit on the wrestling show, it's probably fine, and since that's a very testosterone-filled show. Here, I think, like I said, he's might going to have to tone that back a little bit. Uh, he was better than I thought he would be, the actual dance, the only other wrestler that has been on the show was Chris Jericho back in season 12, I believe. And he finished middle of the pack. I think he was seventh that season. And uh, I don't expect too much more from The Miz, but we'll have to see how that plays out. He scored 24 for the night. Third dance of the night went to NBA star Iman Shumpert. And boy, I did not expe- expect anything out of this guy. Uh, pro basketballers have done very poorly on this show in terms of you know, finishing high up in in the rankings. And I was pleasantly surprised. He had a jive, which is an incredibly tough dance for the first night, especially. But one thing he has going for him that some of the others didn't that were on the show is he's still relatively young. I think he's only 31 or 32. And so the reflexes are still there and, you know, he's still in basketball shape and all that. Um, the judges weren't too crazy about it. Carrie Ann did give him a seven, and I loved that because I thought he was maybe not seven worthy, but he was up there. But then Len turns around and gives him a four, so that's, that's quite a bit of, bit of difference there, seven to four. His total score was uh, 21 for the week, second to last, and even if he is doing better than expected and, and looking pretty good, he won't last very long because we'll probably have the judges save again this week. Every week there's an elimination. And I can't think of anybody that they would save him over other than Martin, and we'll get into that a little later. Uh, Olivia Jade was next. She is the daughter of Lori Laughlin and was in, famous, I guess, for that college entrance scandal. Um, I didn't expect too much from her on her her good morning America show when we were introduced to her she was very reserved and kind of you know quiet and that's not a good way to be on this show but again pleasantly surprised with her dance I thought she was really really good and uh she got a pretty decent partner in Val he's won twice he used to be the alpha male on the pro side he's kind of not that anymore and that's just longevity reasons but uh Hopefully she'll keep it up and hopefully that there's no backlash from the fan vote. Again, if there's a lot of older conservative people voting, they may not want to reward her <laughs> with any good good votes or scores because of what you know she's there for. But uh, again, I was pretty impressed. 25 was her total. Jimmy Allen was next. I don't know anything about the guy. A country singer is all I've heard. Uh, again... To me, the dance was okay. It, it didn't stick out or anything. It kind of blended into the woodwork. So he'll have to change that going forward. He got a score of 22, which is not so great. Uh, three fives, I think he had. But uh, one thing he does have going for him is country, any kind of country related acts do well on this show. Again, I think it's the rural people who vote, uh, but uh, country musicians, uh, guys that were in the rodeo circuit that wore cowboy hats and looked, you know, had the cowboy feel to it, they did well on the show even though they weren't the greatest dancers. So I think Jimmy's going to get some fan support. Again, it will come down to will the judges save him when he's, if he's ever in the bottom two. And uh, I don't know if he's that popular that he's going to command a huge fan vote. So he might be you know, seven, eight, 9, 10 out somewhere. 7 would be on the optimistic side, I would think. Uh, let's see, who was next? Uh, Malora Hardin, the woman famous for being on The Office, and she's done a lot of other acting things, I guess. She's the second oldest contestant, so it's going to be a tough road for her, to say the least. Uh, started out well again. Uh, again, nothing great, nothing bad. I think her total score was 26, just kind of in the middle of everybody that night, so we'll see how she keeps going along. Suni Lee was up next, the Olympic uh, gymnast. She tied uh, for let's see, you know, she was in second place, I guess, for the high score of the night at 28. And you know, she's going to be good. The gymnasts always do well on this show. And the the big thing for her is going to be, can she express herself in a positive way? Gymnasts are famous for they don't smile much. Uh, when Simone Biles was on a couple of years ago, the judges were all over her every week. Smile, look like you're having fun, look like you're enjoying yourself and Simone actually kind of you know stuck up for herself and said, "You don't win gold medals by smiling, and I don't know if they appreciated that very much. She only finished fourth that season. The judges were hard on her the whole season, and they kind of went right away to SUNY last night. you know they said, you need to be more expressionful and uh so it's out there, and she knows it. her partner knows it. uh he's had an Olympic gymnast before too, Sasha his partner, her partner, and they're just gonna have to come out of that shell. Now, having said that, she's such a good dancer, you can tell right away, obviously very athletic and very limber, and she can do all the moves. She just needs to add the expression to those moves. But uh, if she doesn't, and she comes down to, you know the judges save again, I'm sure they're gonna save her because I would assume she's probably a top four person this season in terms of dancing ability. So not too worried about her. The next uh, person up was Cody Rigsby, the Peloton bicyclist. This guy has had prior dance experience, so I expect big things from him. The dance itself that he had Monday night didn't really wow me. Um, I'm not you know, a super hard critic, but I, I guess it was expectations. I expected a lot out of him, and he got a 24, four sixes. Um, he'll get better, I think. He's another guy that's full of energy and he might have to tone it down a little bit. And when you're full of energy like that, your dances can become hectic. And when they come hectic or frantic, you lose form, you lose timing, and you just lose a lot of stuff. So uh, Cheryl's his partner. Cheryl's been on the show forever. She'll, I'm sure, tone him down a little bit. I expect him to be there quite a while. Uh, the next person up, Amanda Klutz, she was my pick of the night. Um, loved her dancing skills that I saw there. She had uh, four sevens for 28, tied for second on the leaderboard. And I expect big things from her the rest of the way. She's a former former cat dancer. She uh, has been on Broadway. And she might have some sympathy votes coming her way too. And I don't mean sympathy like you know she's got to have these votes because poor her. other than the fact that she lost her husband to COVID. And evidently, he was a very famous actor on Broadway. And it's a very sad story. You know, of course, young man, they have a young daughter. And people like hearing stuff like that. I don't know if they like hearing it, but it moves them to vote for them sometimes, especially if you're on the fence of who to vote for. So um, just on that alone, I think she's going to have some fan support. But the dancing ability, wow. She would be my top pick at at the moment anyways, after week one. And then we had old Martin Cove. Poor Martin, the guy from... uh, Cobra Kai and Karate Kid, you know, the guy's 75 and, uh, he's been in good shape his whole life, you know, I guess doing karate stuff. And, and he even said that in the, uh, the interview on Good Morning America, he says, I hope I can still do my splits and stuff. So I was expecting a little more out of him than we got. Plus he was doing the dance called the Paso Doble and it's a very forceful, manly, uh, Aggressive dance, and that could be hard for an older person, but it fits his personality. You know, he's always about no weakness and (laughs) tough guy and everything. And he did what a lot of 75 year old men do on this show. He stood in the center of the stage. The beautiful young girl who was his partner, Britt, bless her heart, she had to like dance around him. And he did some karate moves with his hands (laughs) and shuffled his feet a little bit, but there was very little dance content. And you know, that's a very common theme for 70-year-old plus guys. And I guess it's just the body won't let you do it. The one exception for me was Tommy Chong. He was 76 when he was on the show. And, you know, don't get me wrong, he didn't go out there and cut a rug like crazy, but he did have some moves and he was always the coolest guy in the room. And he seemed, I don't know, happening for his age. Martin just looked like an old man last night or Monday night. And... I hope he has a good dance next week. I don't think it's going to matter because they gave him four or no three threes and a four for a score of 13, and that's already so far below everybody else. He would have to have an incredible dance next week to stay in because he'll be in the bottom two probably. And I just think there's no way the judges will save him. So if you like Martin, check it out this Monday because that's probably going to be it. Kenya Moore was next, uh, Real Housewife of Atlanta, I believe. And she looks fantastic and moves well for a 50-year-old woman. Uh, in in the history of the show, the Real Housewives have not done well. The one exception is Lisa Rinna, but when she did Dancing with the Stars, she was not actually a housewife yet. I don't know what it is. you know. The, the, from what little I know about the Real Housewives, they kind of have an attitude on that show, and um, you can't have that on Dancing with the Stars. That won't last very long, and most of them have had kind of an attitude. Uh, I don't know what you would call it, a haughty attitude, like, you know, I'm pretty hot stuff. And again, that won't last very long. I'm not really getting that from her in week one. So hopefully she'll be a little different than some of the other housewives. And boy, she had some nice moves. It was a really good dance. I liked it a lot. Uh, 26, I think, was her final score. Uh, Let's see, who was next? Christine Chu, uh, Netflix. I don't remember the name of the show. Blee Empire, I think it is. And I guess it's a Crazy Rich Asians... On TV. And she's a big Dancing with the Stars fan. So, you know, I, I always have a special place in my heart for them. Evidently, she was in the audience on night one way back in 2005, is what I've heard. So she's a big fan of it. She seemed a little scared, and I can see why. There's a lot of intimidating women in their dancing ability this season. Um, but you know, when you get scared like that, I think everything tightens up. Your shoulders kind of hunch up and you just get nervous and, you know, she's just going to have to loosen up a little bit. Uh, Um, you know, I, I don't know that, that was my opinion. I'm not an expert for sure, but uh, I just, I I didn't, there was nothing there that made her stand out for me. And so in a field like this, that has a lot of good women dancers in it. You need something that makes you memorable. And I didn't see it last night. Having said that, the score was good, 25. Um, I thought Len gave her a 7, I think. And that's weird because Len's usually the stickler for content and technique. And I don't think she had that on week one, but he gave her a 7. Next up was Matt, the Bachelor. Uh, Bachelor Nation has done well on this show, especially the men when they don't dance well. (laughs) Uh, we've had, you know, the last two champions. In fact, have been bachelorettes. The females always are better dancers, anyways, in general. But certainly on the bachelor bachelorette nation, they are. They have been. I don't know what about what to think about Matt. Sometimes I don't know anything about the Bachelor franchise. So, if you come in and you were a good egg, I guess you would say on the Bachelor franchise, you're going to bring in a lot of votes with you. And all you got to do is look at Joe Amabile a couple years ago. I think he had a moniker, even Joe the Grocer or the Grocery Store Guy. And good looking guy, smiled a lot, and he got a ton of votes, lasted so much longer than he so, should have. He was not a good dancer. So if Matt was a likable guy on The Bachelor, and he's going to get votes through that, and he can dance at all, I think he'll be okay, he'll probably middle of the pack. But again, now that we have the judges save, that could be a different story. Joe Amonbiel would never have lasted as long as he would have, because we had we didn't have the judges save in, in his season. Matt was middle of the pack in scoring. I think 24 is what he got. Let's see. Uh, Brian Austin Green. He was uh, another surprise for me the, for the night. His partner, Sharna, is his real-life partner, uh, their boyfriend or girlfriend, I guess you'd say. And I wondered how that would come across. You know, They were very affectionate with, with each other, but it wasn't an you know, off-putting to me. And he danced surprisingly well, better than I thought he would. Um, he could be like a James Vanderbeek, who was on a couple years ago and other guys from the 90s TV show. And James was James was very smooth. He had a lot of fan support. And I think the fans will like his relationship with Sharna. So I could see him last in a while. Uh, his dance, I think, scored a 24. So kind of middle of the pack again. And that's what you have the first week. There's very few people that distance themselves one way or the other. And then the last dance of the night was saved for JoJo. Uh, she is the young gal from Dance Moms and Instagram fame. And she famously is partnering with Jenna this year for the first same-sex partnership in Dancing with the Stars history. She's a great dancer. Uh, The dance was really, really good last night. She scored the only eight of the night. She was in first place after the dance. And she did something really, really impressive to me during the dance. Her partner, Jenna, actually slipped You don't see the pros slip very much, but she slipped and they were in hold. It was a quick step. And JoJo, man, she just kind of reached down and held onto her and pulled her right back up and was super impressed with that. You know, a young girl like that uh, coming out in the first time on the dance floor, the same sex thing and all that, really impressed the way she handled that. So that was pretty cool. Now, as far as the fan votes go, she'll be fine on the judges scorecard. Uh, Who knows if if there's still going to be a lot of old timers, you know, voting, then who knows, there could be, I hate to even bring it up, but there could be kind of a, you know, a negative backlash to, you know, why is she on the show? We don't want to see two women dance together. I hope not, but that could be a little bit of an issue. And then the other thing is she's just another young, very, very energetic person that it's kind of like, wow, you want to just say, calm down a little bit. It's in your face. I mean, Uh, her clothing, And I love it. It's fine. There's nothing wrong with it, but it's all brightly covered. There's all sequins and bows and ribbons everywhere. Her hair has all kinds of stuff in it. Uh, I don't even know what you'd call it, like colored confetti and (laughs) sprinkles and sparkles. And she's just a young girl that's full of life and energy. And it's a lot of fun to watch. I don't have a problem with it, but it's one of those things, again, that you kind of got to tone it down a little bit because I think it can wear thin pretty quickly. And uh, she did the quick step last night The quick step is a very fast dance, hence the name quick step. And the key to doing it well is you want to be quick around the floor, but you don't want to look like you're hurrying. And I got the impression tonight that she was just like hurrying too much. And it looked fast. And the key is is to do the quick step without looking fast. Having said that, goodness, it was probably, you know, if not the best dance, close to the best dance of the night. And she's going to be fine. So I don't want to be too picky because... With people that are that good, you have to look for things to pick on. So she's gonna be there for the whole season. So we don't have to worry about that if you're a fan of hers. Okay, that's a quick recap. I don't know how quick it was of uh, the dances on Monday night. Um, As we get later into the season and we get down to seven, eight, nine people left, we'll probably analyze the dances a little more closely and uh, pick it apart more. But there's so many people right now. And like I said, week one is kind of just a free for all. This next week, we're gonna find out a lot since they only have the six days to, to learn the dance. And uh, we'll know a lot more about people you know going forward by next week, I think. Okay, so we're gonna go and we're gonna do our top one of our top 10 lists here. Now you may remember last time uh, I did a top 10 list and it was the most wronged people in the history of the show. Now these top 10 lists of mine, you have to remember are just an opinion. And I don't want everybody getting bent out of shape because, oh gosh, how could you say that about so-and-so or you don't like my person. Uh, What's going on there? Well, in fact, uh uh-oh, there's the opinion alert. Well, what a nasty sound that is. (laughs) That's that's all. This is. These are my opinions. So uh, if you, I don't know if you can listen to podcasts in a car, but if you are and you're you're banging on the dashboard or the steering wheel, because like, how could you pick that person? Uh, It's just my opinion. So again, as I said last week, give me your opinions on on email, and I would love to debate back and forth with you. But since we did last week, the top ten most wronged people in the history of the show. Another way you could have said it is top 10 most underrated, I guess. They were the people who were voted off way too soon. We're gonna go the opposite way this week and say the top 10 most overrated people in the history of the show. And that's the people who have lasted a lot longer or did last a longer than they should should have in my opinion. So last week's list, if you remember it, was dominated by women. Because as we've talked about before, The core fan voting base on this show is women, conservative Christians, rural areas, and they have been notoriously hard on women throughout the history of the show. And they have been just as notoriously, if that's the right word, easy on the men. And... So last week's was almost all women on the wronged list. And this week's list of the top 10 overrated are all men except for one. I had to throw one woman in there. And here's where I would love to hear from you guys. Can you tell me a woman on the show that was severely overrated, meaning they, they finished in, let's just say third place, and they should have finished in seventh place or 10th place or something like that. Man, I had a tough time coming up with any. And I got a couple here. Uh, I'll give an honorable mention to Kirstie Alley in season 12, but season 12 was a down season. There wasn't too much further she could have fallen. She was in second place. I think she, you could argue that she should have been fifth, so that's three spots maybe. But the voting audience loved Kirstie Alley, kind of a sassy gal that didn't take you know, stuff off of anybody. And uh, they liked her, and they put her second place in season uh 12, which was not, not 12. Uh, Was it 12? Yeah. And uh, you know, that was too high, but again, it was a down season. So there's only three spots. So the one person I'm going to have here at number 10, that's a woman, Candace Cameron Bure, season 18. She finished in third place. There's no doubt in my mind again, as the opinion goes, she should have finished in sixth place. So that's three spots. But again, that's not the end of the world. Uh, Finishing three spots higher than you should have, yeah, it's a lot of money, especially where she finished because she made it to the finale. But there are some people that finished five, six, seven, even more spots ahead of where they should have finished. And those are the ones that are really going to be in the most overrated list. So there's Candace at number 10. Number nine, we're going with Jerry Rice. And I know this may shock some people. Jerry Rice was way back in season two. He finished in second place. Uh, in my opinion, he probably should have finished in sixth or seventh. So that means four or five spots ahead of where he should have finished. Um, you know, off the top of my head, Stacey Keebler was better. Lisa Renna was better. I think Tia Carrera was better. I thought Giselle Fernandez was better. <laughs> you know, you can go down the list of who I thought was better that season. Heck, I thought Tatum O'Neal was going to be better than him. But Tatum O'Neal lasted, I think, two songs. We barely got to see her. And she looked great in those two, two dances. And then she's gone. And so Jerry Rice, being a great football player, football players are treated very well by the women fan voting base. He go keeps going and going and going and going. And at the time, I didn't think much about it because it was season two, and I was just so happy the show was on the air. I wasn't like, you know, um, diving deep into the, oh, he shouldn't have finished there or she should have finished there. But if he would have won season two, and he didn't, Drew Lachey won, that would have been your first non-legitimate winner, in my opinion of the show's history. And it would have been season two. Um, To give you an example of how I don't think Jerry's that great a dancer, and don't get me wrong, I like the guy. He he was a great friend of the show. He did Dance Center with Kenny Mayne and Led Goodman for years after on the show. He came back in season nine and did a dance-off with Michael Irvin, for heaven's sake, just for the heck of it. Uh, He did the 20th anniversary a special so he's a great friend of the show and I got no problem with him. In fact, none of these people none of it's got to do with personalities for me. It's just they weren't that good at dancers and they finished too high. But you know, he's a football player of course. 23 football players have been on Dancing with the Stars in the 30 seasons. I wouldn't rank Jerry in the top 12, the top half of football players yet he made it all the way to second place in his season. So I don't want to keep bashing on him, but uh, he shouldn't have finished second. Um, let's see here. Number eight, we're going with Sean Spicer. Now, the thing about Sean is, again, this, this has nothing to do with, um, you know, personalities, uh, whether or not, you know, I like his politics or something. It has nothing to do with any of that. And... But the thing was, he finished in sixth place, and this was even the season we had the judges save. So this is a great example of a judges save not really working the way it should, because he probably should have finished 10th or 11th. And again, that would have been five, let's see, four or five spots uh, from where he should have finished. And that's, again, a ton more money and just more of us having to watch a guy that's not a very good dancer dance. So, um, eh, you know, again, I don't want to make it personal because it's not, but uh, he wasn't very good. And, you know, he would go on conservative talk shows. If you don't know his politics, he's he's a conservative or Republican. He would go on those talk shows and he would say, hey, you know, vote for me, let's stick it to the libs. And I, I guess they were just having fun with it, but Boy, it just was like, really, do you have to talk like that and you have to come on the show and bring politics into it and and you know kind of i don't know <laughs> make it less fun so that that rubbed me the wrong way and then, my goodness, the President of the United States, for God's sake, is tweeting, vote for Sean Spicer, dancing with the stars he's our friend, and you know that was a very divisive time in our country, and Tom even mentioned it when he talked to uh uh, Bob Saget in that clip we did earlier. And I have something here I'd like for you to listen to. This is Tom talking about it. And he's not mentioning Sean by name. And, and as he says, it doesn't, I didn't want any political people on. It It has nothing to do with Sean per se. But this was kind of what started the beginning of the end, I think, for Tom. We were at a point
0: where it was on only once a year. The, the spring season had gone away. Uh, we were only doing a fall season. So between, uh, let's see if I have it right, 2018 and 2019... Uh, That summer uh, had a couple of meetings because we had been off the air since the previous November, and they wanted to get my input as to what I thought um, we should be doing when we came back. And uh, so we were on the cusp of uh, an election year as well. So I said, you know, the only thing that I would say is let's play to our strength. Let's be an oasis for two hours every week from all of the nonsense and the divisiveness going on right now. And, uh, and just let's not, let's not put political people in there. Let's, let's keep it, you know, and they both, the two people I had lunches with separately agreed wholeheartedly until they booked the show. Uh, And I was really quite caught by surprise and taken aback and uh, felt a bit misled and prepared a, a statement that I released that did not spe- uh, specify a person or a party because that was never the issue with me, whether it was somebody I voted for or didn't. I didn't think a political person um, was an appropriate booking for the show. But and also, I'm, on, I'm on the same page as yeah, you know, on that. I think a lot of people for, were. Yeah. For the, for the time we were going to be on, which was really on the cusp of uh the the presidential election campaign so uh we we differed on that i was public about that uh i don't think that um sat well with the uh producer or the network
2: so there's kind of a little background there of kind of like i said the beginning of the end of tom on dancing with the stars and uh as he said he wasn't trying to make this a republican democrat thing it was just like we don't want any or he didn't want any politicians on that season and according to what he said there you know he had lunch with a couple different executives who he thought they were on board with him on that and then you know it's their show they can do what they want and then they turn around and went ahead and booked somebody and then of course you got the guy lasting week after week after week and it just made everything else i think more tense but uh Anyways, let's move on from that. Sean Spicer, number eight. Uh, Number seven of the most overrated people, going way back to season uh, four, Billy Ray Cyrus. Uh, Finished fifth that season. Probably should have finished 10th. That's five spots. That's a huge number of spots too high that he should have finished. Billy Ray was a lot of fun, though, on the show with his mullet. And... He was just fun. So again, nothing against the guy, um, but he lasted a lot longer than he should have. Again, here's a guy that has country music ties, obviously, and here's the country music fan base voting for him. I don't know of anything else he did to, to, to garner votes other than just be that country guy that he was and kind of a crazy wild guy. But uh, he was fun on the show, for sure. But you know how I feel about these guys that stay too long, they take away spots from people we want to see dance, and they take away the money from them, too. So uh, Billy Ray's my number seven overrated. Number six, we're going to go with Jerry Springer. Way back in season five, I'm sorry, season three, he finished in fifth place like Billy Ray did. Probably, just like Billy Ray, should have finished 10th in his season. That's five spots higher than he should have been. And the thing I loved about Jerry was he knew he was taking spots from people and he didn't want to do that. And he actually would come on the show and say, quit voting for me. And I have a little something here. I want you to listen to him. Uh, he, he, of course, he was an older guy and you know he was hurt a lot and he, he wanted to go away from that too. But he did go on the show and say, hey, quit voting for me. You know, There's a lot of good people that are getting voted off here and that's not right so uh let me see if i can cue that up here and we'll listen to what he has to say and i'll vouch for what he has to say here
3: it was it was for younger people but people kept voting for me because they wanted to hurt me oh. so every <laughs> no it was true you know at the end of the at the end of your dance which is, is so scary well, i, I think care. it's the
4: most traumatizing thing in the it hotel. really is i agree with you because
3: you're out of your comfort zone totally. i mean if you're not a dancer you are out of your. Com- Dancing in front of America live?
4: And you're free every day. That's being so structured in every step. Oh, right it, a totally. panic
3: time. Yes, I so agree. So you finish the dance, and then you go back and they interview you. And you know, and everyone gets on the screen and goes, call, call, you know, this right. number. And I kept saying, everyone, and the people who saw the show will vouch for it. I said, please stop calling. <laughs> I Get me out of here. hurts. <laughs> now I learned the walls. Now now so, it's the fourth week or so. Fifth.
2: So there you go. He just admitted it, you know, and I'll vouch for him. He did come on, on live TV and say, stop voting for me. And man, I got to give the guy a lot of props because he was turning down money. Cause every, he got all the way to fifth place. He was making big money every week he advanced. And he knew though, that for the greater good, you know, <laughs> this shouldn't be happening. And he didn't mention it here, but there was a, um, a radio show. I think it was in New York called Opie Opie and Anthony and they didn't uh watch the show at all but they thought they'd play a little prank and they told all their listeners to vote for Jerry Springer no matter what go flood the phone lines for Jerry Springer and that's one of the reasons he lasted as long as he did so that's one of the very first instances of big time uh Ballot box stuffing, I guess you would say. Well, here's Jerry again. One more thing from Jerry on another program. And just listen to what he has to say, say here. moment. After that, it, it, I was
3: really hurting. And plus, you got to learn a new dance every week. And it was just and I was begging, please stop it. Just stop it.
1: Did you think of quitting?
3: No, I wanted people to vote me off. You can't quit. <laughs>
4: well, at least you and didn't they break just kept. Thing.
3: Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it, exactly. it, it became a vengeance. People really upset. For example, with my television show, they took it out on me and they kept voting me through. And it was really bad for the show because I was lasting longer than people who really knew how to dance on the show. In a-
2: there you go. I love that. He said it was really bad for the show, and he's basically saying you can't have an, a non legitimate winner. Oh, my God, if Jerry Springer would have won that season, you know, (laughs) of course, the the one good thing that might have happened is they might have brought in the judges save right then after season three. But eventually, you know, he was voted off. And I'm sure part of it had to do with the fact that he kept saying, you know, quit voting for me. This isn't right. So I, I admire him for that, whereas other people would go out and actively court votes. And I guess most people would say, well, hey, you go on the show. Yeah. You're going to vote for yourself and want people to vote for you. I guess so. But as a lover of the show and, and a lover of or wanting to have authenticity in your champion and not that it's just a punchline, you know, what did I hear every year and still do? Oh, it's just a popularity contest. That's all people to win that. Every year I had facts and figures that say, no, this is not true. Uh, if you finish first or second on the judges scorecard, you win Dancing with the Stars. But That all went out the window in season 27 because we had a guy that, uh, well, we'll get to that a little bit later. Let's see here. We're up to number five, Bill Engvall, season 17, finished in fourth place. Another guy that made it to the finale. Probably should have finished in ninth. Five spots higher than he should have been. And again, a guy that's related to the country music or country network somehow. He, he does jokes about the redneck nation and so forth. And boy, people love anyone associated with the uh, country on this show. Uh, Michael Waltrip, number four, season 19. Bless his heart, Michael was a really bad dancer. Made it all the way to seventh place. Should have finished in 12th place. So again, five spots higher. Okay, Michael Waltrip, here we go. This is a clip I wanted to play. Uh, These are the judges getting real with him. This was week seven. He did an awful jive, and then sometimes you just got to tell the truth, and the judges kind of let him have it.
0: Let's start with a rather grim-faced head judge. I'm not Uh, not grim-faced.
3: I am equally surprised that you've made it to week seven.
2: Uh, Well, I am, and... In drive, driving terms, you're you're running on empty now, and uh, that's what it was. It was a it, it, you did your you did your best, but it really wasn't good enough. All right,
0: Julianne.
4: In the theme of Halloween, that was kind of a nightmare and I feel like you kind of, you you, you have to know. I mean, you you felt you go off and everything and I, I love you. I think that you, you really try your hardest every week and, you know, we want to work, root for you but it just...
0: All right, Bruno. <laughs> Michael, my, my darling, I love a country fair and a roll in the hay. We all love that. The, sh- the thing is, there wasn't any jive. That's the thing. It's supposed to be a jive. And there was hardly any. I think you've broken the records, actually, of being off time. You know, you've got to be on time. You have to be on time all the time. Is this sounding fair so far? That's, I heard that a lot from my parents. I was late a lot. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, we love the humor. I got it right.
0: Just right here. <laughs> <laughs> it's unfortunate. Yeah, Carrie. Yeah. And this is what we love about your incredible attitude. But like Antonio, like
4: we, mm. I, I want you to do better. But this was a great freestyle. but It was supposed to be a jive. So that's the sad part.
2: Yeah, and I think I would be. If I ever went on the show, I think I would be a Michael Waltrip type. You know, it, it, he wants to be there and he's trying his best. He just can't do it. This was week seven. And I think he got a bunch of fives on the scores. So I, I don't want to belabor the point. But uh, Michael Waltrip, my number four. Uh, number three, top 10 overrated, Joe Amabile. We talked about him earlier from the Bachelor Nation. This was season 27. There was no judges save. So Joe just lasted and lasted and lasted because... The Bachelor Nation comes out and votes for those guys. He uh, finished in sixth place, should have finished in 12th place, six spots, God Almighty, six spots higher than he should have been, tons and tons of money he, he raked in, and all the good dancers behind him that had to go home. Mary Lou Retton, DeMarcus Ware, gosh, I can't even, Tanache, John Schneider, the, the, oh, that's just sad to see. And again, nothing against the guy personally. It's just... <laughs> Way, over, way overrated, farther up than he should have finished. Okay, let's get to number two. Number two, a guy named David Ross. Season 24 uh, was a Cubs and Red Sox baseball player. Grandpa Ross, they called him. He finished in second in season 24. Probably should have finished anywhere from seventh to ninth that season. So, you know, we're talking five to seven spots. Uh, I've, in fact, you know, it'd be more than that. If he Let's see, if he would have... Yeah, anyways, it was just way way too high <laughs> that he finished. And the thing that worried me about David Ross was is that he could have won that thing. And we would have had Armageddon in season 24 instead of season 27 when we had it. Thankfully, Rashad Jennings won. But think of the guys David Ross was ahead of, or the gals, Normani Corday, Simone Biles, Heather Morris. You guys that watched the show, you know those were three fantastic dancers. They all went home before David Ross. That can't happen anymore, and thankfully, with the judges' save, it probably won't, but that's why David Ross is number two on the top 10 overrated, and the number one top 10 most overrated, number one overrated person in the history of the show, a guy named Bobby Bones, and for those of you that know the show, this is... This will never be topped, hopefully. Um, We do have the judges saved now, so hopefully we can stop this from ever happening again. Bobby Bones probably, gosh, should have been ninth or 10th that season, maybe even higher. So, you know, he's 9 or 10 spots higher than he should have been, which is just its wrong. It should not happen. You shouldn't be getting these guys into – the final four or the finale, however you want to call it. And the thing I hated about Bobby, again, not ha- not hate him personally, but the way he handled it was, he has a talk show, I guess, about country music. And again, there's the country music connection and it's syndicated all over the country. I think I read somewhere that he had about 3 million uh, viewers or listeners to his show. And every time I heard him, he was going on saying, vote for me and he'd have his partner on, vote for us. And then he would get country music artists to come on the show in little video clips, vote for Bobby Bones. And he was just pandering to the voting public and ballot box stuffing like crazy. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, good for him. You know, he had his chance and he took it. Again, I don't think they care about the show because, as Jerry Springer said, that's not good for the show when you have a bad dancer uh, winning. And take a look at his freestyle on YouTube. I can hardly watch it anymore because the freestyle is the last dance that the public votes on. And it's supposed to have some dance in it. (laughs) And if you watch it, the first 30 seconds he's talking, the last 30 seconds he's talking, he's talking. And at the beginning he says, three months ago when I started this journey, I had no clue on how to dance. Three months later, I still have no clue. He's admitting he can't dance, yet everybody's voting for him because he's pandering for votes. Then you watch the dance, there must've been 20 people in it. that's what you do when you can't dance. You fill it full of tons of other people who deflect the attention from you. A lot of set design and props. He had men in the dance lift him in the air on two separate occasions. He lifted Sharna once. He jumped up on a stage once and jumped down. Just tons and tons of movement, but no dance movement. And then, and I blame the judges for this. The judges gave him perfect score of 30. And I can't imagine what was in their head. I'm assuming one of two things. And it 's probably the second one, the second one being they just give everybody tens in the freestyle now it 's a happy time you don't want to you don't want to criticize anybody, just give everybody tens because i can 't imagine the producers telling them to score that way because they were derelict in their duty at the best, at the best, he deserved eights for that freestyle. Uh, personally would have given him sevens sevens is kind of the the low mark because <laughs> By then, you should have some dancing chops. And if you do a great number and a great production value, that's what a freestyle is part of, then give him sevens. But you have to dance in it, and he didn't dance. Okay, enough bagging on Bobby Bones. He is still the champion of season 27, and he'll never be replaced as the top 10 or the number one most overrated dancer in the history of the show. Okay, let's get to the ticket here a little bit. I know most of you are probably ticket listeners. And if you wanna know a little bit about the ticket history and how I came on air, go back and listen to podcast one. I have the recording of the first time I ever came on and mentioned a birthday during Why Today Doesn't Suck. We also had uh, my announcement that I was going to the show out in Los Angeles to see it for the first time ever in person. And that was a huge deal for me. I spent years and years and years trying to get tickets to the show. And I could never break the code. Well, I finally got to go and I made an announcement on the the radio and the guys made, made a big deal out of it. It was pretty fun. And then so I go out to the show and before I could go to the show, the week before I had to fly out and go to Let's Make a Deal. That's how hard these tickets were to get they forced you to go to Let's Make a Deal first before you went to Dancing with the Stars. So that meant an extra airfare for me, an extra hotel, extra rental car. And then I got to sit through eight hours of Let's Make a Deal in full costume. And I wore a vampire outfit and I had teeth that were in and they were bugging me and I didn't eat for eight hours. (laughs) Well, it was me, I know. Then you get in the studio and it's like 30 degrees in there. It is just freezing. And I had a gal next to me, didn't know her of course. And she had a sleeveless thing on and she's a freezing, of course, and I had a cape, being the vampire. And she's like, can I have your cape? And I didn't wanna be rude, but I said, I am freezing. I, I can't give my cape up, but I tell you what, I'll share it with you if you will not mind getting close with me. So I basically had my arm around this unknown gal for the whole time we were in Let's Make a Deal, because it was freezing in there. And I did have a cape, so that helped a little bit. So I went through a lot to get to that show. So I come back and I'm working the norm show Back then, it was just Norm Donovan wasn't with them yet, and you know, unbeknownst to me, uh, Norm Norm did talk about it with me my trip out there along with Mike Soroy as producer. But I'm tearing down the Norm Show as a remote, and I get a call, "Hey, Bob and Dan want you to come on and talk about your trip." Uh, I'm kind of in the middle of tearing down, <laughs> but it was like there was no warning. It was like two minutes ahead they were going to call me, and I'm like, "Okay, I'll do the best I can." So the the audio quality is not the best here, but. Uh, the guys wanted to talk to me about my time out at, and my trip out to the show. And I'm on a remote, like I said, I'm outside. The The uh, the connection's not very good, but let's fight through it. This first part here, they're... Uh, um, talking to me about, they're quizzing me. The guys would do that from time to time. They quizzed me, and then I said something about a great dancer, and then Bob, and this is part of the genius of the ticket, guys. Listen to Bob. He's like, there's no way that person's the best dancer. You know, like he has any clue or whatever. But it was funny, and I got a kick out of it, so let's listen.
1: So, Tony, uh, on, at Guys Night Out a few weeks ago, um, we, f- we found out this trick he has. He could name every Dancing with the Stars winner. In fact, the final three, right? You're pretty good at that. Yeah.
4: Yes.
1: Uh, like season 10? Who were the final three in season 10? Do you have recollection yeah. of
4: that? Yeah, season 10 was arguably the greatest female dancer of all time, Nicole Scherzinger. Uh, second place was Evan Lysacek. He was an uh, Olympic ice skater. And third place is Aaron Andrews, who's
1: now the co-host of the show. Wow. <laughs> that is. <laughs> There's no way Nicole's is... the greatest dancer of all time, though. On the show. Are you going to argue with uh, Tony?
4: <laughs> you know, your memory kind of goes, that was season 10, so that was five years ago. So you may be right, Bob. Catherine Jenkins is really good.
1: John John is really good. <laughs> <laughs> He's just
2: messing with you, Tony. He doesn't care. That's, that's exa- exactly what I'm saying, oh, Tony. So I just Bob. wanted you to give her a little love.
1: Uh, hey, first of all, let's... Re-
2: so there you go. The greatness of the Bob comment. Well, no, Nicole's not the best dancer. And, and then I, you know, fell for it hook, line, and sinker. And I'm like, well, wow, Catherine Jenkins was pretty good. <laughs> And it cracked the guys up. So that's the genius of what they do. Uh, This next clip is the guy's fascination with me going out to Los Angeles alone to see Dancing with the Stars. And then, you know, I kind of tell them that, hey, I'm in the mode of doing things while you can here before time runs out. And I mentioned the death of an old school rapper. And that just tickled their funny bone, I guess. They were shocked that I had heard of this guy. And uh, we'll play that right now. Oh,
1: that is who won. What's wrong with you? So who? Uh, it wasn't. Alfonso Ribeiro. Did you go by yourself? Do you have a uh, friend? What did you do?
4: Well, I don't have any male friends that watch the show, so I couldn't ask any males to go. And probably probably get in trouble if I asked any females to go. So yeah, it was a solo deal. Did you? Uh... You wouldn't believe the, the people in line. You can so... find you can certainly find some females there to. Talk about the show, in. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we trust you took care of that. That's a, that's just a YOLO move, man. Just a. I s- mean, Tony is throwing caution to the wind. I mean, a solo mission to L.A. to, to go to Desi Dancing with, with the, the stars. stars. That just that I do have to applaud you, man. That's, that's, a, that's awesome. That's a rare animal right there, that Tony. Uh,
4: you know, the sand is uh, running out of the hourglass
1: quickly, so i got to get it while you can. You, dude. You feel death is right around the corner? That bucket list is now. How old up. are you? 54. 54? Yeah. Yeah, you better wow. get out all, all you can done now. Yeah, yeah you're not going to want to travel. It's you're, doubtful I'm you'll see on. 60. You won't want to travel after 56. <laughs> well,
4: you just never know. When Big, what was it, Big bank Hank died the other day. I, it always makes you think. <laughs> 57.
3: There's no way you thought that <laughs>
1: when Big Bang Hank died. There's no way you thought that. <laughs> who who <laughs> is he <Tony>? Who's that? <laughs> he's, he's an old old school rapper. He's on uh, Rappers Delight, right? Rappers Delight, Sugar Hill Gang. <laughs> wow, Tony just. <laughs> how does Tony song. know that? <laughs> That's genius well, that he does. When Big Bang Hank died, you know what season was he on? That's how I knew I had to get to LA. Wow. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, they showed they a little uh, um, uh, Fonzo had a little Apache in his freestyle dance, which was a lot of fun Donovan knows what that is
1: I do Oh, oh I wow, do. that's a racist statement, no, I think No, he, he's, he's actually right You know, thinking oh. that I look like Wayne Brady was a wrong move But this one is right no, You look like Ron Washington well, There you go, Donovan I didn't mean anything bad about that I'm <laughs> just kidding, Tony <laughs> I'm just kidding Well, shut well up. Tony, we're very proud of you Moment of silence for Big Bang Cake Tony. 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 Saha, moment of silence. Moment of silence for Big Bank Hank. Oh. Uh, Paul in the... <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tony. Way to go. Congratulations. Bye, <laughs> All
4: right. Thank you
1: guys very much. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Later, Tony. All right, man. Man, Tony's my hero, man. Hey, Tony, Hang Tony, up. Tony, Tony. Hang up. <laughs> he brought up Big Bank Hank. <laughs> Wow. God,
2: he's the best. That is amazing. Well, there you go. That was the uh, bad radio call after I got back from the uh, trip out to Sea Dancing with the Stars. It meant a lot to me because. Yeah, I was never on air very much with those guys. It was always just a quick, you know, birthday greeting or something or a little note here and there. And those guys did a whole segment talking to me about my trip out there. And uh, they were fascinated that I knew who Big Bank Hank was. Of course, a member of uh, the Sugar Hill Gang, Rapper's Delight. That song was huge when I was a young man. And uh, I knew Master G and Wonder Mike, the other guys in the the group, too. I uh, certainly didn't know him intimately. But yeah, you know, he passed away at an age just uh, where I was. And... uh You know, it it does kind of shake you up a little bit when things like that happen. And I think it's important, and this is a cautionary tale, uh, when you have the chance to do something in life, you should probably go ahead and do it if you can. It's so easy to say, well, I'm going to wait until I got enough money and I got enough time and I'm in better shape and this and that. And first of all, those times hardly ever come, (laughs) and when they do you might not be in, in, in the position in another way. You know, your health could be bad or, or who knows what could be going on. So if you have an opportunity to do something at any age, especially young, I would take it. Because another thing that happens when you get older, which I've certainly found out, is you got to find people that want to do things with you at that age. And, you know, do I, it's hard for me to find people to go skiing with me because, you know, it's a physical demanding sport. Uh, who wants to go to a classic disco with me <laughs> and dance the night away to disco, 70 disco. It's hard to find old people that want to do that. Uh, so I'm just saying as a cautionary tale, if you got something you want to do and you got friends that want to do it with you, go do it and enjoy yourself now. Okay. Uh, one of the other things we like to do here is look back at old, older seasons of Dancing with the Stars. You know, this thing's been around forever and I think it's important to look at the history, and in fact, at the beginning of the show Monday night, I loved what they did. They they mentioned the thirty, the thirty seasons, and they showed about a two minute video clip of past seasons' champions and just iconic dances and people that were on the show. Man, I gotta tell you, when you have a love of something like that, and you see the the old days, the glory days, pictures had a little tear running down my cheek, I, I must admit. Uh, you saw all the young people. <laughs> they were young back then. You know, we're talking 16, 15, 16 years ago. And the dances that you remember, oh, I remember that Paso Doble. And it was just so cool. I hope they do something to recognize season 30, you know, more special. Uh, When they had special shows, like the 100th show and the 200th show, they would actually do an extra special. I don't think that's what's going to happen this year. You know, everything's so different, but I sure would like some kind of retrospective at some point. Okay, that's off the subject. But anyways, going back and look at some of the older seasons, I thought we would do three a week. And last week we did seasons one through three. We're just going to hit the highlights of it. This week we're going to do seasons four through six. So, season four premiered March of 2007. 11 contestants, 10 weeks champion Apollo Ono, second place Joy Fatone, third place Layla Ali, all very good dancers. And I've often thought of doing a top 10 list of greatest finale, greatest final three. And if I did, this one will be up there. Apollo Ono is arguably a top 10 male, or at least close to that. Joy Fatone, uh, that season was very, very good. You could go back and look at him. He then came back and did season 15, and he was a little out of shape, and I don't think he took it as seriously, and he wasn't that great. But his season run in season uh, four was really good. Leila Ali was really good, too. I think we forget about her among the female dancers in the history of the show. But uh, it was kind of an according-to-form season. There were four fairly good dancers. Fourth place was Ian Ziering, and then there was a big drop-off after that. However, at the very bottom of the list, we had two – most wronged people, again, in the history of the show, Paulina Portskova and Shandy Finnessy, they were voted off first and second, and who knows how good they could have done if they were given the chance, but that old uh, young, beautiful one, woman syndrome doesn't get much support from the fan base. But it was pretty much a two-horse race for Apollo and Joey all season, but to show how good Joey was, he actually got the first 10 of the season, so he had a, quite a year. Uh, notables that season, Clyde Drexler was the first basketballer to show up on Dancing with the Stars, and... He started a long line of really, really poor dancers, and he was great on the show in terms of smiling and wanting to be there and you know, giving it the old college try. Just another one of those guys that could not pick up the moves. Uh, lasted a lot longer than he should have because he was such a pleasant gentleman, but uh, not so hot of a dancer. Uh, John Ratzenberger, that season, he was the guy that played Cliff on Cheers. He was a last-minute replacement for a guy named uh, Vincent Pastore. For those of you who know the Sopranos, he played big pussy on that. And uh, you know, I always like to shout out to those people, John Ratzenberger, that come at the last minute because, come in at the last minute because you, know, you don't think you're gonna be on the show. And then Vincent took one week of practice and said, I can't do this, it's too physically demanding. So they call up John and say, come on in. And he did it and he did a pretty good job. And then Heather Mills was in this season, I uh, used to be married to Paul McCartney. She was what we would call, I guess, the first physically challenged person to be on the show. She had a, a missing leg under, uh, below the knee on one of her legs, and she wore a prosthetic. And I can remember thinking back, how is she going to do this? And she did a really great job. I think she finished fifth that season on the judges' scorecard. And uh, she did a great job. you know. And I, I whine and complain because I don't think I can dance. And here you have these people that have physical... Uh, Uh, challenges and they just go out there and do it. And she kind of was the beginner of a long list of people. We had deaf people on the show. We've had uh, people even more physically challenged than her. And it's just uh, very inspiring to see them going out there and doing what they did. And I wanted to mention Apollo's partner real quick, Julianne Huff. This was her first season on the show as a pro and uh, she's the sister of Derek Huff, who everyone knows. And then Mark Ballas uh, is their, one of their friends. They grew up with Mark in England. They went over there to learn how to dance. And I guess they're all like brothers and sisters. Well, this was her first season. She became champion. And then next year, Mark and Derek joined her. And I call this the Huff Ballas dynasty. These guys, these young people came in. And for the next eight seasons, they won seven of them. It was either Julianne or Mark or Derek. That's dominance. That's uh, putting a nice foundation to this show's history. Sure, the first three seasons were great from a viewer standpoint, but the viewers peaked in week three. Then it was the long decline as, as viewers left the show, and they needed someone to come in and provide the next generation or the next step for this show. And, boy, the Huffs and the Ballises came in, did a fantastic job. Like I said, seven of the next eight seasons, they were champions. Okay, let's go to season five premiered in the fall of 2007. They went up one person in the number of contestants, the 12 people, stayed at 10 weeks. Helio uh, Castro Neves was your champion, the Indy 500 winner, four-time Indy 500 winner. Mel B was second, the Spice Girl, and Marie Osmond was third. Marie probably should not have finished third but she had a huge fan base built in from her days in the 1970s growing up when a lot of the people who watched the show uh, grew up. It was a two-horse race for most of the season with Leo and Mel B. They distanced themselves. But like we talked about last week, my number one most wronged person in the history of this show, Sabrina Bryan, was eliminated really early this season. And she was probably the best answer of the three of them with uh, Leo and Mel B. But Obviously, she wasn't around to prove it, so it came down to between Mel B and Elio. Could have gone either way. Mel B was number one on the judges' scorecard, but the fans picked Elio to win, and it doesn't matter because they were both worthy champions. The big notable thing that season was Marie Osmond passing out on live TV. She had done a, I believe it was a samba, very energetic, hot, fast-moving dance, And if you listen, you can go to the website, or the YouTube, and and click on it. You'll hear her panting very, very loudly, more so than usual. People are out of breath, but she really had a large huffing and puffing sound. And the camera just happened to focus on her right as she was passing out. And it was a very scary thing. I remember watching it live, and I'm like, oh my god. You know, She had a heart attack, and I should have known. It was just a fainting spell. But that's one of the more notable things in the history of the show, I think. So that had to be pointed out here. Um, There were some crazy characters on this season. We had uh, Mark Cuban, Floyd Mayweather, and Wayne Newton. How about that for a group of three interesting guys? Uh, None of them very good dancers, but boy, they added some spice and interest to the uh, show that season. Uh, Jenny Garth was on this season. The only reason I mentioned her is because there have been times throughout the series history where my dancing with the stars pants have gone absolutely crazy for most of the season when a person's on. And Jenny Garth was that for me. Go back and look at some of Jenny Garth's videos on YouTube, dances on YouTube. And of course, I know we all, all us men have our own look that we like and what have you, man, she just knocked me out that season and you know, everything she wore looked great. So I really liked that season a lot. (laughs) Let's move on. And, uh, Let's see here. Oh, the the champion again, Elio, his partner was Julianne Huff, And again, we talked about Julianne winning in season four. She became a back-to-back champion as a pro. Uh, Cheryl Burke had done that before her, and then Derek did it after her a couple times, her brother. But pretty rare. It's rare to find a two-time champion in the pro ranks, let alone back-to-back. So that was season five. Season six premiered in March of 2008, still 12 contestants, still 10 weeks, and they did show the 100th show, or did have the 100th show this season, and boy, it was so much fun. They did a two-hour retrospective, and the judges picked their top 10 dances for the first five seasons and showed clips of those. God, that was great to see. So many celebrities came back, so many pros came back that had left the show, and it was just a, a love fest of, hey, look what we did the first five seasons. Uh, they did do something for the 200th show. The 300th show, they, they kind of just merged it into the 20th anniversary. And then the four hundred show, they did nothing for, for. So I'm not too hopeful they're going to do anything for the 30th season of Dancing with the Stars. But that was great, that 100th show that they showed during season 6th. Uh, hundred show retrospective champion was christy amaguchi second jason taylor the football player third place a guy named christian de la fuente a latin actor and model christy was absolutely dominant that season christy amaguchi one of my favorite champions uh true season six was not full of talent but she holds second place in two records on the show that are very impressive in my book number one she has the second highest per dance average of all time. Only Meryl Davis, the great Meryl Davis, is, is better, and it's a tenth of a point. 28.3 is what Christie had. And also, Christy has the second highest margin of victory on the judges' scorecard of any champion in Dancing with the Stars history. Uh, only Brooke Burke has a higher margin of victory, but it was over two points, and that's, that's pretty impressive. So Christie dominated that. The guy I mentioned that finished in third, Christian De La Fuente, He ruptured his bicep tendon during a live dance. And it was a samba, and it was hard to watch. We got to watch it. And you don't know the exact moment it happened, but I think it was when he was doing a samba roll. For those of you guys that know how that works, they put one arm around the waist of of your female dancer. And then you grab her other arm and extend it way out. And you kind of like swing it back around over your head. It looks very awkward. Looks like it would be hard on the rotator cuff. But he actually tore a biceps tendon. Can't imagine the pain. He did bail out for about a second and a half, and then he came back and finished, and I give him a lot of credit for that. So that was kind of a notable. And then we did have another physically challenged person. Marley Matlin was on this show. Uh, You probably know her as a deaf actress. And I was like, how could she do this? How can you dance and not hear the music? And I did a little research. She actually, I guess, has 20% hearing in one of her ears. I don't know how much that gives you to hear, but still, I was super impressed. You know, she... uh, does everything with sign language pretty much, so I don't think that 20% does much for her. And to see someone dance to music when you can't hear the music, just, just unbelievable to me. Uh, let's see, the champion uh, pro along with Christie was Mark Ballas, and again, just continuing that Huff-Ballas dynasty um, as they took the show kind of into the next, uh, I guess stratosphere, <laughs> or the next foundation for uh, the show's success. So that's a look back at seasons four to six. Okay, well, we need to wrap this up. Uh, I did want to go over real quickly. I don't know how quickly it'll be. Our contest, Uh, I mentioned it briefly on the last show. And for those of you that know me here in Dallas-Fort Worth area, uh, every year for the last five years, I've given away a trip out to Los Angeles to see the show live and in person. No, No cost to you if you win the contest and it's been great. Uh, The goal is to take someone that loves the show. So I would ask you very politely, if you don't really care about the show and you just want to go out to LA for a trip, don't enter. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to try to figure out a real fan that wins this thing, but I have no idea how many people are listening to this podcast or however, how many people want to do this, because I'm asking a lot of you. What we're going to do is each week I'm going to ask you a question about the previous podcast episode. And I think they're all out there. I'll do some research on that. I think that's how podcasts work on Apple and Spotify. I know I'm on those. So you just go back to listen to episode one, and I'm going to ask you a question of that episode. And if you listen to it already, you may know know the answer, but more likely you'll probably have to go back and find it. We're going to do that for six or seven or eight weeks. However, this works out. We'll see how it goes. At the end of that time, You're gonna turn in your answers to me via the email. And if everybody gets it right and you're the only one that gets it right, I'm sorry, if if you get all the questions right and you're the only one that gets it right, you win. Uh, When I did this giveaway last year on the Hang Zone, the uh, show on the ticket radio station, I had several people get all questions right. And so we had to do a tiebreaker But uh, still we've got a contestant that's going or a champion last year or winner, however you want to call it, that's going to the show with me this year, if we can get tickets. Now that could be problematic this year. There's still a lot of COVID restrictions. This is for going to the show in season 31 if you want to get involved with this. So that's a long way off, I know. But if you're liking what we're doing here and don't mind listening to the podcast each week and answering the question, you might get to go to LA for free. And it covers everything, covers your airfare, your hotel, two-night stay. Um, if you do want to hang out with me, we'll go to dinner, I'll have the rental car. The trip won't cost you anything unless you want to just buy souvenirs in LA or something. Uh, But you don't have to go with me. You don't have to hang with me at all. All you got to do is go into the show with me because I'll have the tickets. And they only give you one ticket and everybody's on it. So that's why you have to go in with me. You can certainly bring someone with you They can stay in the room with you obviously for no charge, but they will have to pay their own airfare and all their other incidentals. But I don't want you feeling strange going with a strange person out to Dancing with the Stars to see it next year. Um, I do have some references that I could probably give you that uh, would tell you, yeah, he's harmless, nothing's gonna happen bad. And he's just a guy that loves the show and he wants to share the show with another big fan. And it's it's been a real treat. A couple of the people I had go with me, they were screaming and hollering more than I ever was. And it was so great to see them enjoy the show as much or more than I did. And that's what this is all about. So the question for this week, on last week's episode, I mentioned that the first time I remember my Dancing with the Stars fascination on the ticket radio station occurred when a specific celebrity was mentioned by a host. So like the Bad Radio crew were talking about this celebrity And I wasn't working the show, I was just listening. And they kept banging on them and banging on them. And I'm like, well, this person just finished on Dancing with the Stars, and I sent them a text. They mentioned it later on air, but I didn't really get into it too much with them because I was still like, oh, I can't go on air and talk about the show or anything. But what I wanna know is, what celebrity were Bob and Dan talking about? And I texted to them, he just finished a certain spot on Dancing with the Stars. So that's it. And just write it down in your little Dancing with the Stars notebook. And, you know, like I said, at the end of... uh, um, Sorry, here, I'm doing something else. At the end of uh, the season, whoever gets all the most answers correct could get to go to L.A. So that is that.
4: Turn off the lights. The
0: party's over. (laughs) They say that all good things must end. Call it night. the party's over, and tomorrow and next year starts
4: the same
2: old thing again. Well, we know what that means. That's Dandy Don Meredith uh, telling us we got to go home. Uh, take that back. We don't have to go home, but we got to get out of here, that's for sure. So we'll listen to Don every week as he tells us and reminds us to do that. Um, what we're also going to do each week is we're going to play ourselves out with a song from a contestant that's been on Dancing with the Stars. And that's what we're doing here. We'll let you listen to this a little bit, and we'll talk about who the artist is. Shaka Khan there she is right there with the band Rufus big hit back in the day we're talking way back in the day late 70s early 80s anyway Shaka Khan was on season 21 she finished in 13th place which in that season was last place and that was about right she was not the greatest dancer in the world And it's interesting, you know, you have these people that are so good at what they do, in this case a musician, and then they come onto the dance floor and they're like a fish out of water. And she was a little older at the time she was on the show, but there was just not much movement at all. So finishing last place in uh, season 21 was probably right for Shaka Khan. Well, a big thank you to Josh for letting me use his studio this week. TC uh, had some other things going on at his studio so uh this was all new to me i know it's a little hiccupy there, here and there i hope you'll bear with me we'll get this figured out one of these weeks but again thanks john josh for letting me use your studio and of course thank you to you all you guys out there listening Uh, this show is something really special to me it's just a, a kick in the pants and a good way for me to get to talk about it and if anybody out there is getting any kind of enjoyment out of it that makes me feel very happy so we'll be, we'll be back next week, of course. Uh, it's going to be episode two of season 30. We'll have our first elimination on Dancing with the Stars, and we'll talk about that, and we'll talk about the dances and everything else that goes along with it. So until next week, this is Tony the Engineer. Thanks for listening. Bye.